Well, the old saying goes something like this. When you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. And I'm glad we can always trust Jesus. Thank you so much. How many of you brought your Bible this morning? If you brought your Bible, hold it up just a minute. I'm going to have to ask you now to really follow me this morning. So I'm going to start in the book of Genesis chapter 1 this morning. Genesis chapter 1, very easy to find. Just open your Bible. Uh, chapter 1, and uh, I want to read uh, some verses here in a moment, and I'm going to ask you just to listen intently, closely to me this morning. If you will, sit up, if you don't mind, and, and to get what uh, the Word of God has to say to us this morning. Genesis chapter 1, a couple of things. Don't forget Bible college starting up real soon, right away. Two good classes, one on the cults, one on the book of the Revelation. If you're interested in either, and we should be, as God's people, then you want to sign up for Bible college and then Hope for Hurting Parents on Tuesday night, a program designed to help parents that are hurting because of the waywardness and the bad choices of their children. It has nothing to do with children as such, just a Bible-based support group for those parents that are hurting. And our world is full of hurting parents. So please don't forget that on Tuesday night. All right, Genesis chapter 1. If you're there, would you say Amen. All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. Now, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on for just a moment and think back to just maybe three or four months ago. And you may recall that I preached an entire series of sermons, and I think there were five of them, that I entitled The Elephant in the Room. Now, you may remember that series. That phrase, Elephant in the Room, is a euphemism. And, of course, it means a problem that is so large that it's obvious to everybody, but it's also a problem that nobody wants to talk about. That the reason is because it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, it's troubling to, to talk about. And if you stop and think about it, you know, our nation, our society, our nation, our church today faces many of these elephants, huge problems, but just problems seemingly that nobody is willing to talk about much anymore. We live in a world that is full of problems, huge problems, elephant-sized problems, but more often than not, the way we choose to deal with those problems is to just ignore them. Don't say anything about them or else just, you know, hope they'll get better on their own or maybe just hope they'll just go away altogether. And in that series of sermons, The Elephant in the Room, we talked about a series of hot-button issues that our nation, our church is facing today, things like building the wall. How many of y'all remember the wall sermon? Building the wall. What does the Bible say about building the wall? What does the Bible say on the subject of abortion? What does the Bible have to say on the subject of homosexuality? And even in that series of sermons, we even covered the, the subject of racism. What does the Bible have to say about racism, and we talked about all that. Elephants in the room. Boy, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I got uncomfortable even talking about those things uh, because they're such huge problems, but man, we just don't want to deal with them anymore. Well, I really had this one on my mind to preach back then, but it just seemed like the Lord didn't give me liberty. So this morning, that liberty has now come. So I want to bring one final message to the Elephant in the Room series, and this morning... I want to preach on this subject right here. What the Bible says about marijuana. What does the Bible say about marijuana? A.K.A. weed, pot, grass, 
Mary Jane, reefer, hash. What does the Bible have to say on the subject of marijuana? As you know, this is a growing problem in our nation today as well as a problem that is even working its way in our churches. You know, as of today, there are 12 states in the United States of America now that have made marijuana fully legal. Fully legal. You can go to 12 different areas in our nation, 12 different states, and marijuana has become fully legal. And then 27 more states have actually changed their laws regarding the use of marijuana. Little by little, we see that our nation is adopting the idea of legalizing marijuana. I think, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be mistaken about this, but I think that almost, if not, every one of the people that are running on the Democratic side for the presidency of the United States of America are in favor of legalizing marijuana nationwide. In our own state, the state of North Carolina, marijuana is still fully illegal. But it has been decriminalized, where people with small amounts of marijuana are no longer uh, arrested or jailed on their first offense. It does, however, in the state of North Carolina, still carry with it a misdemeanor charge and not just a civil violation. But now here's where the rub comes in. Because all over our area, we have these hemp stores that are opening up. All over our area, we see stores under the, the title of CBD stores. You walk into CVS and, you, and you're confronted with the, uh, the cannabis ointments and the, uh, and the, uh, uh, the medications or whatever uh, that, that, that's, that's becoming very prevalent in our society today. So it's really becoming a complex issue and also a confusing issue for the church and for the people of God. You know, for the first time, I've been preaching since I was 24 years old, and I'm 50, I've been preaching for 32 years now. And for the first time since I've been preaching, I've had people come up to me and ask me about the use of marijuana. Well, as God's people, we look to the Bible for our answers. And I'm glad the Bible is not silent when it comes to the subject of, of the of the things, the elephants, the problems that are going on in our world today. So this morning, I had you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter number 1. And I want to begin reading to you in verse number 9. So follow me for just a moment. Genesis 1 and verse number 9. And God said, look at verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear... And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gather, gathering together the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Now wait a minute. Not the grass I'm preaching about this morning. But the Bible said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, 
whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now look this way. I'm reading now in Genesis chapter 1, and in Genesis chapter 1, we, we come to understand that there were six literal days of creation. When God created everything that they did, that, 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 that there is, and God did that in six literal days. Well, this morning, what I've just read to you is the events or the creative process of day number three. And on day three, day three of creation, we come to understand that God created three things. Number one, on day three, God created the seas. That's number one. Verse number nine talks about the gathering together of the water. So number one, on the third day, God created the seas. Then number two, on the third day, we come to understand that God created the soil. Because the Bible said, and the dry land appeared. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. So we understand on the third day that God created the seas, that God created the soil, but we also understand on the third day that God created the seeds. Because we read in our text about God causing the earth to bring forth grass. And notice, and the herb yielding seed. Now, the reason I read this, wanted just to get into this this morning, is because one of the arguments for the use of marijuana is people say God created marijuana, therefore He intended for us to use it, and they point to this text as proof that it is okay with God for you and I to use that. Well, let me just say this. You are right about one thing. God did create everything. I think everybody in this room understands what we're on today just didn't happen. Wouldn't it be stupid for me to say that one day there was not a building here in this field, and the next day we just rode down uh, Bethania Royal Hall Road, and voila, there was a building over here. No, we understand that there was a creative process that went into this building right here. I mean, man, there were plans that had to be drawn, and there were permits that had to be gotten, and then, of course, there were cranes that had to be brought in, and cement poured, and a foundation dug. I mean, there was a whole lot. Listen, this building just didn't happen. This building was a building that was formed by the ingenuity, by the wisdom of man. It just didn't happen. It came about through a process. You and I know that this world that we live on just didn't happen. As such, we understand that there was an intelligent designer. We know that intelligent designer as God Almighty who created this world that you and I live upon. And here's what happened. We know that when God created this world, it was absolutely perfect. There was not a flaw in it anywhere. There was not one cootie on this earth that was not supposed to be here. I mean, it was a perfect place. And then we know that God created a perfect pair, and that was Adam and Eve. And God, upon this perfect place, created this perfect pair on this perfect planet, and God placed them in a place called the Garden of Eden. And everything on this earth was perfect. There was not one thing that was out of place. There was not one thing that was imperfect. There was not one thing upon this earth here that should not have been here. It was a perfect world created by a perfect God. And everything on the earth, including our great great, 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 great grandma and grandpa, Adam and Eve. They were all perfect. But we also know that something happened. 
Because you and I know by experience today, we no longer live in a perfect world, do we? I mean, man, before, before, I mean, before Genesis 3, I mean, there were no hurricanes. I mean, the Bible says a mist went up from the bottom of the ground and watered the whole earth. I mean, before Genesis 3, we understand there were no murders. There were no sickness. There were no death. There were no disease before Genesis 3. So we know living on this earth by experience today, something has run amok. Something has happened because we no longer live on a perfect world. Am I right? And we know what happened. We know that God created Adam and Eve, put them in a perfect garden, gave them a command of one tree that they could not eat. They got hung up on that one negative, that one no from God. They sinned against God, and when they sinned, God placed a curse on this perfect place. Now, let me tell you something. Everything on this earth was affected. Follow me now. Everything on this earth was affected by this curse that God put upon the earth. Number one, humanity was affected by this curse. You see, prior to the fall of man and the curse that was placed upon this earth, we know that humanity was perfect. In other words, Adam worked, Eve worked. Uh, she, she kept, he kept the garden. Eve tended things at home. I mean, they worked. There was no sweat. There was no disease. There was no death. There was no sorrow. There was, there was not anything bad. And yet we know after, after, after the fall of man... Adam reached up one day and wiped his brow. He said, what in the world is that? It's sweat. It's a part of the curse. We know that because of mankind's sin that death and sorrow came into this world. We know that women now labor in tremendous pain in childbirth. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because when, when mankind sinned, God placed a curse upon this earth. Would you agree with me now? Would you agree with me when I say this? Would you agree with me when I say that what happened to man was not a part of God's original plan for creation? Can I have an amen? So you agree with me that God created a perfect man, a perfect woman, put them in a perfect place on a perfect planet, and then what happened to them after they sinned against God, that was not a part of God's original plan for His creation. Number two. God put a curse, a, cur a curse upon animals. The animal kingdom was affected by the fall of humanity. I happen to believe that prior to the fall of man and the curse that God put upon the earth, that all animals were vegetarians. I'm going to prove it to you. Look over at the end of chapter 1 and look at verse number 30. And the Bible said that every beast of the earth to every fowl of the air, to every creeping thing and creep upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. God mentioned nothing whatsoever about one animal eating another animal. God gave them vegetable, uh, uh, God gave them plant life, and animals prior to the curse were all vegetarians. Can I have an amen there? Now, would you agree with me? Now, we know that we, we see animals eating animals today. I was riding up the road the other day and somebody killed a coon and a possum was out there just, I mean, it was fast food for him. I mean, he was out there just going to town on that. Something died over in the field over in our house the other day and the vultures were just in a circle just going around it, round and around. They flopped down, came down upon that. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. God put a curse upon this earth. Now, will you agree with me? that what has now happened to the animal kingdom was not a part of God's original intention for creation. If you agree with me, would you say amen? 
then we know that God put a, a curse upon the earth itself. Now look over in chapter 3, verse number 17. God put a curse now upon the earth itself. Look at verse 17. The Bible said unto Adam, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Say it with me. Cursed is the ground. And then the Bible talks about verse 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou... So in other words, we come to understand that God not only put a curse upon man, a curse upon the animals, but even the planet itself was affected by this curse. Now, would you agree with me? that if what affected mankind was not a part of God's original intention for creation, and what affected the animal kingdom was not a part of God's original creation, plan for creation, and what affected the earth was also not a part of God's original plan for creation. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. Then can I tell you something? I believe with all of my heart that because of the curse that was placed upon this earth, there are certain things upon this earth God never intended to be a part of His original creation. Such things as the coca plant in which cocaine is derived from. Such as the poppy plant, which is uh, the plant that heroin is uh, de derived from, and also the cannabis plant which marijuana is derived from. So to try to use the Bible to justify the use of marijuana, to blame God for it being on this earth to begin with, just doesn't hold water. You see, there are three factors. Please stay with me. There are three factors you need to consider in the use of marijuana. All right? Here they are. Number one. Number one, when it comes to the use of marijuana, you need to consider, number one, the bondage factor. The bondage factor. Now, I want you to listen to me because there are many consequences that sin brings into our lives. One of the main ones is something called bondage. Sin brings bondage into our lives. Let me say it like this. Sin enslaves us. Sin binds us. Sin ensnares us. Sin uh, will not let us free. Oh, I know, like you, it doesn't start off like that. It starts off as fun. It starts off as something that you enjoy. But the truth, of, by the way, if sin wasn't fun, wouldn't nobody be sinning. You ever thought you'd hear a Baptist preacher say that? If sin wasn't fun, nobody would sin. But the Bible said there are pleasures in sin. The Bible even says there are pleasures in sin, Hebrews eleven twenty five. But it also says those pleasures are but for a season. In other words, those are temporal pleasures. They are momentary pleasures. They are fleeing pleasures because what starts off with such joy and fun and excitement and thrill, the longer you use marijuana, and of course we know that it produces a high, it produces a buzz, it produces an euphoria, a great sense of happiness comes over you. But the truth of the matter is, you got, and it makes you, at least initially, want to use it again. But little by little by little, 
Bible, it becomes an addiction to you. It becomes a bondage to you. And what was so fun to start with, what brought such excitement and joy and happiness, literally becomes something that you must have. It becomes something that you have to have. It becomes a bondage and addiction in your life. People don't even consider the bondage that comes along with it. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't think people mean to get addicted to it, but it's like all sin. The more you do it, the more it wraps its tentacles around you. You say, preacher, you're wrong. I can quit any time. Quit, big boy. Bring, it, bring you my stuff. Bring you your stuff to me. I'll see our good officer back here. Bring it to If you can quit any time, bring it to me. We'll turn it into the good officer of the Winston-Salem Police Department, for South County Sheriff's Department. We'll get rid of it for you. Bring it to me if you can quit any time. You see, the truth of the matter is the devil says, hey, you can stop this any time you want to, and you don't even realize it. It's wrapping its tentacles around you until you cannot get free from it. God never meant for his people to live in bondage. In the Old Testament, we have the story of God bringing His people out of the bondage of, of, of Egypt so that they can live free. God wants His people to live in freedom. In fact, one of the reasons that Jesus died on the cross was to set you free from sin. Look at this verse right here. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 simply says, Jesus came into this world to set at liberty them that are bruised. The Bible says over in the Gospel of John chapter 8 and verse number 26, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Hey, listen, God died. Jesus shed His blood to set you free from bondage. Don't go back into bondage again. Many of you have heard me tell the, old, the, the story about our old dog, Lucy. And that was short for Lucifer. Because she was a nuisance to every neighbor that lived around us. Uh, people would get to missing something there. They would automatically call our house. Have you seen my golf club? Have you seen my Christmas tree lights? Have you seen my son's ball bat? Because they knew, they knew that that dog was a kleptomaniac. They knew that that dog was a, was a thief. She was a good dog, wouldn't harm a fly. But you leave it out. It's fair game. It's coming to our house. I mean, Seth walked out there one night in the yard and kicked something, come running back in the house, scared to death. He said, Daddy, something's out there in that yard. It scared me. And we went out there, and she drug up a Hulk glove. And that thing said something like, Rawr. And when he kicked it, it said, Rawr. He thought something was after him. Come running back in the house. That dog done drug up a Hulk glove in the yard. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Because of her thievery, I had to put her on the chain. And I'm going to tell you something. Man, that dog... That dog's spirit was broke when I put her on the chain. Every afternoon when we'd get home from church, I'd walk out there, and when she'd see me starting that direction, I mean, man, it was, it was on like Donkey Kong. She was jumping up, yanking against that chain, choking herself. She would go, <coughs> I mean, but she was glad because she knew she was about to get off that chain. 
But can I tell you something when nightfall come? Lucy, come here. A few pork chop bones. I'd lead her out there alone. I'd chain her back up, and that old dog's spirit was broke. You know why? She loved life off the chain. Let me tell you something. Jesus died to let you off the chain. Why in the world do you want to go back on the chain again? The bondage factor. It is a proven fact that one out of every 11 people who start using marijuana become addicted to it. One out of every 11 people. By the way, that number increases to one in six if you start using it as a teenager. But let's just stick with that one in 11 number. All right, stay with me. One out of every 11 that use marijuana become addicted to it. All right, illustration. Of course, I know tomorrow's Labor Day. Most of you are off, so let's say Tuesday morning. You go to PTI to catch an airplane from Greensboro to Chicago. You get in, put your bag overhead, close the men, set down your seat. You've made your way through the process. Check it in. All that's done. You're in the air, airplane. You're sitting down. You buckled your seatbelt. And right before you taxi down the runway, the, 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 the pilot comes home and says, Thank you for flying U.S. Air. We're so glad to be able to serve you your nonstop flight from Greensboro to Chicago. But first, just before we leave, I just want to remind all of our passengers that one out of 11, out of every 11 seats on this plane will fall through the floor when we reach 30,000 feet in the air. What are, you, are you going to sit on that plane? I don't know about you, but I'm going to fly Delta. <laughs> I am getting off. Stop! Hold on! Bring the... Scooty thing back out. Let me off the plane. I'm out of here. I am not riding on that plane. If one out of 11 seats, every 11 seats is going to fall at 30,000 feet in the air. Are you kidding me? And yet people want to take their, take your chance. Yes, sir. And, and what most people don't understand is marijuana is what they call a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. It's a transitional drug. In other words, here's what happened. You smoke marijuana, whatever you do with it. You smoke it, snort it, whatever you do with it, burn it, and uh, sniff it, whatever you do with it. Can I tell you something? What happens is it gives you that euphoria, that joy, that excitement, that thrill, that buzz for a while. But eventually, it no longer does that. So you have to start using more of it and eventually more of it until finally you don't get the same feeling that you used to have off of marijuana. So now you go looking for methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin. It is a transitional, a gateway drug. It leads you from one into another. I can get free from it, preacher. You don't understand. Then do it. Turn it into me today. Stop it if you can stop it. There's a verse over the New Testament that says this. Let me read it to you. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, All things are lawful unto me, but, not, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know what Paul is saying? I can do it. It's my body. If I want to, I can go out. I can buy me some of that stuff. Whatever you do with it, I can do it. Paul said it might be lawful. You can go to another state. You can find you a state somewhere that's legalized it, District of Columbia with the rest of the nuts that's up there. 
You're welcome. You can move up there, whatever you want to do, get all of it you want to get, and it be lawful. Paul said, I am not about to be brought under the power, the bondage of any of it. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. The bondage of it. Number two, watch this. Not only the bondage factor, but number two, the biblical factor. The biblical factor. Now let me tell you something about the Bible that you may or may not know, and that's this. Our Bible is not a book of particulars. Our Bible is a book of principles. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is this. You know, not every sin in our society is addressed particularly by name in the Bible. For instance, I can't take you anywhere in the Bible and say, hey, here's an old boy that's high on marijuana right here. Look what happened to him. Because I, I can't think of one person in the Bible, they had too much sense back in Bible days to smoke that stuff. I can't take you to one verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not smoke marijuana. I can't do that. Can you imagine how big our Bibles would be if God addressed every sin by name in our Bible? We'd have to have a wheelbarrow to come in here to church. We'd pick up our Bible and roll in here on a wheelbarrow this morning, set it down beside the seat. It would be huge. So God doesn't give us particulars. So what God does in the Bible, God gives us principles to go by. And if we'll apply biblical principles to various things that we have questions about in our life, it'll help us to reach proper conclusions. Make sense? You apply biblical principles to today's problems, and it helps you to reach proper conclusions. So what does the Bible, what are, what are principles that we need to apply to the use of marijuana? Number one, what about this? This is simple. The law principle. Our state, the state of North Carolina, says that the use of, a mar of marijuana is illegal. So our state, the state you and I live in, unless you're from Virginia, the state that you and I live in says marijuana is illegal in the state of North Carolina. And then we read this in our Bible. Look at this. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king and supreme. In other words, we're told in the Bible that if man's laws doesn't violate God's laws, we have to submit to man's laws. So if our state says the use of marijuana is illegal, if we want to be biblical about it, we go along with our state. Right? The law principle. We say, I'm just going to look to another state that, where it is legal. That's easy. Listen to this. Our law says pornography is legal, but it's not right. <laughs> Y'all going to have to help me a little bit now. Our law, our, 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 our nation says abortion is legal. Abortion is legal. It's not right. Our, our government says same-sex marriage is right. It's legal, but it's not right. And just because this state or that state, California or uh, wherever, Michigan, whatever, they may say it's okay here, I don't make it right. The law principle. Number two, the love principle. The love principle. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I should love the Lord so much I don't want to do anything in my body that I can't bring glory and honor to Him. Look at this verse right here. Read it with me. Whether therefore, read it with me. Would y'all read it with me? We're about done. Whether therefore ye, or, or. Now wait a minute. 
So let's read it like this. Whether therefore you eat or drink or, or, or smoke. Whatever, whatsoever you do, we should do it all to the glory of God. In other words, every motivating thing about our lives ought to be done out of love for our Savior. And if we can't do it, if you can't, hey, you can't turn up a can of beer and say, God, to God be the glory. You can't do it. You can't turn up a fifth of liquor. To God be the glory. And you can't smoke weed. To God be the glory. The law principle. The love principle. What about this one? The life principle. What do I mean by that? I mean by that, if you're saved this morning, you no longer belong to you. I preached that a couple of weeks ago. You belong to God. Our body, our body belongs to the Lord. The Bible said this. The Word of God said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for ye are bought with a price. I don't own me. You say, Preacher, this is my lips. I'll smoke what I want to. If you're saved, they're not your lips. They're my lungs. I'll smoke what I want to. Not if you're saved. They're not your lungs. My eyes. I'll look at what I want to look at. Not if you're saved. Not your eyes. You've been bought with a price. Your life belongs to God. And then what about this? The Lord principle. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible simply says this. Exodus 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, if your attitude is this, God or no God, Bible or no Bible, I'm going to use my marijuana. Can I tell you something? Your marijuana has just become your God. And the Bible said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Boy, it's quiet in here. So we got the bondage factor, the biblical factor, then number three, and I'm done. What about the business factor? In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. Look at the kind of people you have to deal with to get your weed. Look at them. Gang members, cutthroats, murderers. <laughs> I mean, all the kind of drug dealers, prostitutes. All pimps, all the kind of people that God said, don't you associate yourself with them. They'll mess your life up. Stay away from that crowd. And yet, if you're going to do all that, that's the very kind of people you've got to get around to do it with. Amen. The business factor. Now I'm through. It's 11.03. I know probably some of you are saying, thank God. But I'll tell you something. Somebody said, preacher, the reason I do it it's just because, just because. By the way, somebody said, well, what about for pain use? If it helps me with my pain. Let me tell you a story. I have my entire life been plagued with kidney stones. I mean, and, and, and especially earlier on, 20s, 30s. It seems like now they're not as bad. I still have them, but I pass them now. But there have been times, man, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. You know that rock on top of Pilot Mountain up here? I mean, there's been two or three of them that was larger than that. <laughs> so I have to go to the doctor. I've been to the hospital. I've had them took out, cut out, zapped out. I mean, I, you name it. But I had, a, I, had a, I had a urologist that I went to. 
And my urologist looked at me on one occasion. My wife was in the room, and he said, Son, let me tell you, these things are going to kill you. Here, this will help you. If you'll drink a can of beer once in a while, you won't have any more problems with kidney stones. And I looked that doctor right in the eye, and I said, Sir, I'm a Baptist preacher. Bring on the kidney stones. I'm not doing it. If I serve a God big enough that made my body, I serve a God big enough that can help me with the pain of my body. Absolutely. And so here, some people say, Preacher, I just love the feeling. I love the joy. Oh, the joy. I love the peace. I just am at such peace when I, when I smoke my weed. Preacher, you don't understand. I just, I'm just, I just so full of love when I smoke my weed. I'm just, I'm just somebody that I'm not normally am when I smoke my weed. It's wonderful. I want to show you something. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Now, I'm not degrading the Holy Spirit down to our slang terminology. You'll forgive me. I don't mean this to be irreverent, but I'll take a high on the Holy Ghost any day of my life over the high of some, some stinking poison oak growing up out of here that's going to destroy my life. Because the Holy Spirit can give you love and joy and peace. And it's not against the law. And it don't grieve the heart of God. So what you need to do is trade in your weed for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you'll come to know Him, all that stuff that that falsely has given you because you've got to come down off that some of these days. And then you're going to have to find something harder and then harder and then harder till your life is a complete mess. The Holy Spirit of God will give you love and joy and peace from here on out if you'll just serve Him. What the Bible says about marijuana, the elephant in the room. Let's pray. Father.